0: Joe Cardillo introduced me to the concept of servant leadership. That's always been kind of the style of leadership I describe to. The servant leader and focus of helping others and helping others to realize that it's so sometimes challenging and tough to not just want to look out for yourself, but in helping others to realize their potential and pursuit of the environment that I'm in, that the more I help others to succeed and achieve their goals in, their, in the way that they help their clientele, the better I do as well. So it's all mutually aligned. The capitalism in a way is aligned that way in which as you can help people to do well, you in turn will do well.
1: Leo Rumel is a servant leader who has expertly honed the skills to build and grow a large organization. As the Toronto director at Sun Life Financial, one of the largest insurance companies in the world, Leo is responsible for recruiting and selection, training new advisors, coaching and development, and building a culture of high performance. That's everything anyone needs to build a successful sales team in any organization. Leo Ramel understands the key principles for leadership, and he even recently completed his executive MBA at the prestigious Ivy Business School. I'm grateful to be able to share his story and his insights here today. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast today. My guest is Leo Ramel, and I'm very excited about this conversation because uh, this goes way back a number of years with Cutco. Leo started with the company in 1998 in Canada. He was a branch manager twice during college. He worked directly with Angie McDougal and helped to break some records there in the Canadian organization. He became a district manager for a couple years, ultimately left the company to pursue other ventures. That has all led Leo to Sun Life Financial, which is one of the largest insurance companies in the world. And Leo is a director there now, has had a very, very successful career Uh, We'll have lots of stories and insights to share today. So Leo Ramel, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Dan. I appreciate the invitation, the opportunity to be here. Uh, Looking forward to it. Yeah, great.
1: Well, I would like everybody to get to know a little bit about you, first of all, uh, starting with your personal background from before Cutco. Can you tell us about that? Sure.
0: I was born in uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is uh, one of the biggest cities in the world comparable to kind of like New York, a really big city. They call Sao Paulo the uh, uh, the New York of South America. Mm-hmm. And uh, my family immigrated to, uh, to Canada uh, when I was nine years old in 1989. And we were in um, uh, Vancouver for a couple of years. My father was a professor at Simon Fraser University there. Uh, he's a PhD, actually, in epidemiology, which is at the center of a lot of things today with the epidemics. But uh, then uh, we moved to Calgary. And uh, we were in Calgary and where I spent most of my life and actually where I started with Cutco as well before being uh, recruited into Sun Life and then with Sun Life moving across the country to Toronto where I uh, met my wife and now I have uh, been married and two kids and, and li- living uh, the exciting life up here now in the, in the big smoke, as they call it. <laughs> living the dream, living the dream <laughs> in Toronto. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, that's
1: cool. So you're originally from Sao Paulo. Wow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that uh to say uh you know, a big city is an understatement, right? I mean, 20 plus million people there. That's right, sir. Uh in Sao Paulo. So, amazing. Yeah. And you found Cutco while you were in uh Calgary, is that right?
0: Yeah. I was in high school and I was looking to make some money and and uh I I answered a, the little ad in the paper. Uh, I don't even remember how much it was per booked appointment or what it was. And I just remember, hey, this looks interesting. And then it was I went into the office, and uh, Vonnie Fast was the uh, the manager at the time. Vonnie Fast. <laughs> <And>, yes. <laughs> yes. And I know a lot of people don't know she used to be a manager, yes. But uh, I was uh, 17 years old at the time, and it, you couldn't sign a, 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 the rep contract at that time when you are 17. So uh, she was very kind. It was a very warm uh, pre-interview. And uh, she gave me her card saying, uh, you know, thanks for coming in, but come back when you're 18. So uh, then I'd gone on an exchange trip uh, uh, with Canada World Youth, and I ended up living in Prince Edward Island and in Egypt for a while on that exchange. But it was an amazing experience. And then when I got back and uh, started university, and you know, I, again, needed a part-time job. And I remembered I had Vonnie's card, and I called it, and uh, that office was now ran by Angie McDougal Buckingham, that's now McDougall. And that's how I got started uh, as a rep. And I, uh, you know, very fond memories, Dan, very fond memories. I mean, I remember on day two training, trying to sell uh, Angie and the, the training manager at the time, Karen Buner, Carmen Buner, on uh, why I should start selling in the second night. I, I didn't want to lose any more days. I need to get going, you know, give me the sample kit, right? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta book meetings and, you know, and I remember they, there was uh, some contest on. Uh, you know, you call in your first sale; if you're the first one you win. Some kind of a, I think it was like a peeler or something like that. And it was so, I, was, I had meetings booked it, uh, right right after training on day three, and I went out and I think I was the first one to call in, and I won the peeler. And as I saw the homemaker on my first uh, on my first demo, that uh, was my best friend's dad, and you uh, know it was funny because while I was selling it, my best friend is right behind me saying, "Don't buy it! Don't buy it!" <laughs> As you know, it's an excellent product. He ended up buying it, and that was my first sale. And I got the peeler, and then went on. Uh, that was my, my first month. I, I I broke the sales record in the Calgary office in February of '99. Uh, actually, it was February of 1999. I broke the uh, the February sales record for reps across Canada, wow. and uh, and that was uh, so. I was off to a fast start, and then I kept on doing demos and you know, growing uh, in the in the promotions, and and of course uh, I would then. Uh, you know, see Angie's assistant managers doing recruiting interviews and thinking, hey, I can do that. I can do that. And, you know, also wanting to get more experience. And I uh, ended up uh, being uh, recruited into the assistant manager uh, shadowing or assistant manager uh, training or program that she had. And I went through uh, through that shadowing, role-playing, uh, uh, doing the recruiting interviews and, and then uh, trained up uh, to open up my first branch it's cool to hear
1: about just the great success you had right out of the gate. I mean, you broke a sales record for you know, the month of February as a, as a new sales rep. You had a lot of great results right away. I believe your background with selling goes back to before Cutco. Didn't you have a story about oh, uh, yes. yeah. the uh, NBA cards?
0: Yeah. And it's interesting because N- NBA cards, now with blockchain, I just saw Anthony Davis's rookie card went for over a million dollars on some, uh, I don't know if it's eBay or whatever, but anyways... When I was 11 years old, I uh, had collected a whole bunch of NBA cards, and I had a whole collection of it. And I would sell all my because you'd buy a package and you'd have doubles, right? Right. And uh, you know, a couple of people I knew would throw out their doubles, and I would just you know give them to me, give them to me. I was like, "What are you going to do with the extras? You already have this one. This one's this one's an every pack." And I would collect them, and then some of my friends that weren't collecting, and I was trying to get them into collecting. I would sell them the packs to make it easier for them to build up their own. So I kind of got a mini little business there. You know, it's funny. I got a, a family picture of me on a beach in Brazil when I was four or five years old, and you know, and I'd gone into the beach, collected a whole bunch of dead fish, and I put it on some a piece of uh, um, palm tree trunk. And I was playing with my my sister and my parents that I would sell the fish. You know, so I, I kind of had this notion of commerce ever since. My dad's a doctor, my grandpa's a dentist, so I, I don't know if it comes from family, but it just kind of came with it and is and attracted to commerce early on.
1: Yeah. That's so cool yeah i like it. I like it. Tell us about uh your your branch experience and your other management
0: experiences yeah so my my first branch experience I ran a branch when I was twenty years old up in Grand Prairie, Alberta, which was about an eight hour drive north of Calgary, a little town or city I should say of fifty thousand sixty thousand people. amazing experience here at twenty years of age, first time going to live away from home to go spend the summer putting ads in paper on newspapers and recruiting people to sell knives. I mean, that's you think about 20 years ago doing that, but, but that's what I did. And, you know, Angie trained me up for it. I, uh, the other reps that were training went for it and I went for it as well. And one memory I have of that is having my parents SUV packed, ready to drive up to Grand Prairie and and me stopping over at the office to go see Angie to say, Angie, I'm in fear of failure. Like, I don't know, like I'm going to like, this is, I just remember this fear of not doing well, of being embarrassed, of uh, not making it. And uh, she always encouraged me and gave her words of wisdom and the confidence she instilled in me. And of course I made the drive and ended up uh, as one of the top reps that summer. I think top, I think second in the company and top in her division and, and then came back and trained again around the university part-time uh, was with one of her assistant managers around school. And then I went out and was a, you know, senior branch manager in right. the second year, and I was in Lethbridge, which is the south of Calgary, an hour and a half south, and is in a bigger population, maybe one hundred fifty thousand people, and uh, did well as well, and ended up finishing that summer as well. The first summer selling, because I think on the last month of the summer there was some like straight fifty percent thing where you could sell and make fifty so. percent. I sold with my team at near the end, and yep. and uh, I like that experience, and then and then. Went back uh, to school to finish off my last year against uh, selling part-time and uh, continuing on as her assistant manager. And then we had her and I, we were in competition against this other uh, top DVM at the time named Chris Mumiak And he yep. had a guy under him named Adrian Delore, who I had competed with as a branch manager because he had ran Halifax and I was running Lethbridge we uh, decided to all kind of get together and it was like the Toronto versus Calgary because Chris and um, Adrian were running Toronto and Angie and I uh, in Calgary and, uh, and Angie and I won, we we broke records and uh, we had the best, uh, the best summer, amazing memories from that summer. And uh, with a, a conference uh, of champions in, uh, in, in Toronto at the end of it. So uh, anyways, uh, and then, uh, Again, the honed up skills over my last year of school, and then I, I launched as a DM after I graduated with my undergrad uh, from Mount Royal University, uh, and that's when I moved to Edmonton, which is about three and a half hours north of Calgary, and that's uh, where I was a DM as you mentioned for a couple of years. That's so you went to Edmonton for that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Big city. Yeah, a bigger city about about six hundred thousand people. Yeah, maybe seven hundred thousand at the time. I yeah. think now it's well over a million, but.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. And what was your district manager experience like?
0: Uh it was it was really cool. Like, uh, you know, I won a president's banquet, which I shared a picture with you of my uh, my my first P banquet, and I uh, had to get the picture with a celebrity that qualified for P banquet every year, Mr. Dan Cassetta. So I sent you that <laughs> uh, I sent you that pic. But it was an amazing experience. A couple of my peers that launched this DM with me under Angie uh, also uh, went to that P banquet. Uh, one of them, I know you've, or Shannon Smadeli, I know you've interviewed her for this as well, was one of them. And so I, I remember that experience. I remember, you know, winning uh, uh, some awards. I remember in particular, you know, I, I still have this booklet of all these cards that I've received in the, over the years from reps and managers. And of course, the uh, a few cards from Annie and Joe Cardillo. And, uh, you know, I have one that kind of, one of the ones that influenced me the most I, I still have today was one that I, that I won from an Angie was after it was an SLC push uh, for my first SLC that was in Arizona and there was different categories. And in one of the categories I had won an award for my category, which in my category I was the only one that had won that from the Canadian team. And of course we had all team Canada jerseys and stuff. We went in style, right? Team Canada I, hockey jerseys. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of fun um, that we would have as a Team Canada. Anyways, Angie wrote me this, this really nice card that I reviewed. And one of the things I always throw up me about that about that card is a quote she put in there that said that the near near the end, she puts in that Leo, you were always you were made to run a kick-ass office. And it was interesting, you know, that I always held that in my mind because in, in the work I do today, it's in a lot of ways similar to the work I did as a DM. In recruiting, training, developing people, managers, but they're just licensed for investment in insurance uh, with the financial regulator here in Ontario uh, to give uh, advice as it relates to retirement planning, insurance planning, estate planning and such. But a lot of the skill set is transferable. uh, And I still apply a lot of that today.
1: Yeah, that's great to hear. Let's hear about what you feel like are the most valuable lessons that you learned during your time selling or managing with Cutco that uh, have been transferable into your, you know, your career after Cutco.
0: One of the main lessons I'd say was discipline because you have to be disciplined when you're in a hundred percent commission based environment. And that's how my advisors at Sun Life operate. There's no salary for my new advisors, just like as a rep, You know, there is no salary, you're on commission. So you have to be disciplined to be able to get the results and discipline around time and focus as it relates to the activities that are necessary for you to be able to generate the meeting flow and to generate the face-to-face activity that's necessary. You know, now I know it's through Zoom, but that's necessary to do the demos or do the client meetings. Uh, That's completely uh, transferable. Uh, The other part of it is being a good listener. You know, part of the, a lot of the sales success has come from being a good listener and asking open-ended questions and truly listening to a prospect uh, or a client's uh, needs and trying to legitimately understand those needs so that we can be able to accommodate with the solutions we have so that we can be able to enhance their lives, you know, be it with Cutco, with a much better product than what they have in the kitchen, or be it with some of the financial solutions we have on our shelf at Sun Life and the partner companies that we represent. Yeah.
1: How do you find yourself maintaining discipline and accountability in
0: your own life? A lot of it I think is purpose and motivation around what your, your, my goals are and what I'm looking to achieve as a, as a new rep or as a, as a DM, you know, I wanted to win. I wanted to be able to be uh, successful. And so I wanted to be able to learn from others that were successful. And I remember once I had to do a talk about, uh, you know, success and why I wanted to be a DM and one of the things that came out of it, when I was preparing for it is, is that I wanted to be like Angie because I saw how successful Angie was and how she spoke and her confidence and how she helped people to be in a better position, how she gave people confidence. And, and I wanted to do that for other people. So that really inspired me. And so that kind of helps to, to motivate and align with my purpose, which is to help people to be in a better position. And through that success, I will do well. And that's yeah. how commission-based environments or team-based environments have worked well for me in my life Yeah, because of that focus.
1: I love that connection to purpose that helps keep people disciplined and accountable today, right? Really understanding why we're doing what we're doing, what are the long-term gains we're going to get from what we're doing. That all makes a whole lot of sense. You also referenced being a good listener as one of the most valuable lessons you've carried over to this day how do you work with people who do, don't you know, have naturally good listening skills? Because I do think that uh, as people's personalities evolve, certainly people who are more extroverted and, and enjoy talking to others and telling stories and things like that, I feel like they have to work to develop good listening skills. It doesn't naturally happen with people. And the, the vast majority of people who succeed in sales fall into that category. And so... How do you work with people to develop their listening skills
0: yeah it comes with it comes with practice and and uh, there's sometimes uh, you know you can be there but you're not really listening you know? so there's some act there's an active component to listening, and you the, the idea of being an active listener stands out, and sometimes it's about hearing what, what someone said and just repeating it back to them just making sure that this is what You were, in other words, you mean X Y Z, or uh, you set up like this. So the way I'm hearing it, or I'm envisioning, it is like that. To make sure that there's the alignment there, and the people are feeling like they're being listened to, or it makes sense to them that what you're saying is aligned with where they want to go or what they're choosing to be able to discuss next. So I find that it's challenging. I can share with you that I've had my personal, I've had my challenges with listening over the years because sometimes. You know, I would, I would assume or, you know, that I already know what the person is saying, but that's not necessarily what they meant. So you, you got to dial it back and, and check back. And I think it's an art that is, I'm going to maybe venture out and say it's not something I've perfected it. I think it's an ongoing piece. The, the art of listening is, is an ongoing, lifelong pursuit. Yeah,
1: for sure. It is. And just your point about active listening is, I think the first key is that, that people are aware that listening is important. And so they are actively pursuing being a good listener. They're using their body and their face and their eyes to acknowledge the person that they're speaking with and and also trying to gain that understanding that you shared, right? Repeating back what someone said as an example of uh, attempting to gain and display understanding. And that's a, a good strategy as well for that. So tell us uh, about your career after Cutco leading up to Sun Life.
0: So... Another interesting story. After I left Cutco in Edmonton, I moved to Brazil. I had this thought in my mind that I needed to give Brazil. I was 23 years old at the time. I had to give Brazil, since I was born there and, and I left when I was nine, I had to give the chance of working in Brazil and developing something in Brazil, an opportunity. So I started a business there with a, a childhood friend of mine who's in the hair business, <laughs> Uh, we were distributing products that we were importing from LA, actually, from a, a hair salon in, in, on Rodeo Drive, actually, and had a, a bunch of products. And we were importing it into Brazil and distributing it to different salons in Brazil. And it was an interesting business. I ran it with a childhood friend of mine for about eight to nine months. But then eventually, we ran into a cash crunch, and we couldn't turn our receivables into cash. And I ended up uh, uh, having some uh, the idea that I, I, I wanted to come back to Canada. And I came back to Canada and started working with a friend of mine who used to be uh, manager at cutco as well sandy rosen and a guy he, and he by the way he was the MC at my wedding he's very good friendship I, a guy i met competing when we were both branch managers at cutco this is in my first uh, branch year and, uh, and so lifelong friendship another big value of the experience of cutco and uh sandy was working with this company that did circulation marketing And he had gotten so well with the Calgary Herald contract and Edmonton journal contract for newspapers that they promoted him to run the contract in LA to take over the LA times. And it was a big opportunity for him, but he needed somebody to take over Alberta for Calgary and Edmonton that he felt was appropriate. So he brought me, and that's kind of how I winded the business down in Brazil and moved back to, to Calgary and started working with that business. But then after about a year or eight months, that business was shifting and, uh, i uh decided to make a change after meeting the Sun Life manager at a trade show for franchisees, and he was there trying to recruit advisors and I was there covering for a sales rep for the Calgary Herald that couldn't come in so the trade show booth wouldn't be uh uh you know without anybody working it and While I was there, I thought you know I'd make some money, so I approached him for a customized Monday to Friday financial post deal for his fifty advisors and him and I struck up a rapport that he felt he wanted to bring me in. And normally, 90% of managers that join Sun Life have to be advisors first, excel as an advisor, and join. But he gave me the chance. I was in the 10% to partner with him and join as a manager right away with a high salary and opportunity for additional uh, on top because of my Vector experience and my Cutco experience running as a, as a DM over the years. So He's very impressed. He brought me in right away. And I became a manager in the financial services companies, big like Sun Life, it when I was 25 years old, and I've been with them ever since. This is my—I just completed 15 years at Sun Life uh, at the end of 2020. 15 years in management.
1: I love that your vector skills helped you get an elevated role right away with Sun Life. That's really cool, and also that uh, the connection with the former branch manager that uh, you had had that you know who recruited you actively. Got you to come back from Brazil to Canada to to uh, work with him. That's, uh, that's yeah, cool to and, hear as well.
0: And it's interesting because even though we went both separate ways when I joined Sun Life and he stayed with the business, we, we maintain a good friendship. And I attest that the ability for us to overcome that adversity and that challenge at the time where we went separate ways in the business uh, to our friendship in our history through Cutco to the point where, like I said, he, he was my MC at my wedding.
1: Yeah, that's so great. It just really speaks to the power of some of the things that are gained in Vector that are you know, not necessarily uh, evident right away, the relationships that we have, the connections that we establish, right? And then just your ability to present yourself in the way that you did with the manager there at Sun Life who brought you on in that elevated position. Like, that says a lot about you know, the, the skills and the experiences that you were able to, to have during your younger years as a Cutco rep and branch and district manager.
0: That's very true, Dan. I I have to attribute it to that.
1: Yeah. So then for many years at Sunlight, you were responsible for recruiting and selection. And you also had a major responsibility in maintaining the culture in the sales side of the organization. I would love for you to share just some of your key philosophies or key strategies that you employed in either the recruiting side or in the culture building
0: side of what you've done. So recruitment at Sun Life to bring on an advisor, it's different than bringing on a rep. It's, it's not a one week recruitment cycle. It's, a, it's a six month, sometimes one year recruitment cycle to land somebody. You know, obviously we, we target three to six months, but often it ends up being more than six months because there's licensing involved and we have to prepare somebody to eventually join the company and there's uh, uh, joint work involved as well, similar to what we uh, we would do at Cutco. Uh, what would you call it? Um, joint demos. Uh, field training. So field training. Thank you. Thank you. field training. Uh, so we do some of that. We have a senior advisor take on a junior advisor and they watch. So a lot of the recruitment that we do at Sun Life is based on connecting with the individual, assessing their skill set assessing their aptitude for an entrepreneurial role so that they could look at being in business for themselves, but not by themselves, which is also a line, by the way, that we would use, I remember, at Cutco. And the idea being that there's an umbrella organization like Sun Life that's there to provide the brand and support and the training and the know-how, including, by the way, now leads more than ever before because of the digital presence. But the idea being that this individual has to be able to fit the mold of someone that has the skill set to be able to connect with people, be able to have the uh, uh, the quantitative uh, skill set to be able to analyze a client's portfolio or analyze their current situation with software that we provide and to be able to uh, be a good listener enough to be able to then provide the appropriate financial plan or recommendations that puts that client or that family or that business in a better financial position as it relates to their individual financial planning or their group retirement planning or business planning. So uh, so to answer your question, the process through recruitment and selection is one in which we hire slow, but we fire fast. In other words, we take the time up front to really allow someone to make an informed decision that they want to move into this career because training is one of the largest expenses we have, Dan. It's very expensive for us to train, develop someone. So retention becomes critical. And we we have found that retention and uh, a long uh, recruitment cycle as it relates to multiple meetings and uh, in checkpoints that make it really clear of what the expectations are and what it is that they're getting themselves into uh, allows us to be able to then Hone in from, let's say, uh, we might talk to 200 people on the role. We will appoint one person in the end of it. So when I say that, it's uh, to do with the scope of the selection process. So that's how it works at Sun Life. And then once they join us, they they you know, similar to our rep, they'll launch their practice in partnership with a a direct manager or business development partner that will support. What they're onboarding. This is an experienced person, the one that I have in my district is, has uh, over 16 years of experience, not just with us, but also with multiple banks uh, in similar financial planning roles uh, in the GTA, so Greater Toronto Authority. So uh, it allows for proper mentorship so that there's that transfer of skill, that transfer of know how, uh, mm-hmm. so that eventually then they can start to do their demos or their meetings on their own. And then we're just kind of sitting in and watching them and doing feedback. Uh, similar to what we may do in field training. Where in the beginning, we might the senior person might be doing it, the junior is watching, and then uh, later the, the junior is kind of doing it, the senior is watching just for feedback and do a debrief. And and uh, this is what I thought you did well. This is what I thought you could do better. So a lot of those are, are transferable from just the process is different.
1: Right. Yeah. It's a very meticulous Recruiting process that takes a long time. Some of the principles that might carry over from recruiting in Vector to recruiting there is that you attempt to paint a very realistic picture of what the job is, what the role is, so that somebody can understand if it fits for them. And you attempt to get to know them well enough that you know if they're a cultural fit for you. And you said you go through 200 applicants
0: or candidates to be able to fill one. And and some of that is. And I, just to be clear, that's mutual selection. So it's not just right. us. Sometimes as part of the information sharing, put the selection exercises that we put them through. They're designed to auto-deselect auto as somebody goes through the process because the process is designed that way so that we find it could be the best career in the world, but only for the right person. So our objective is to find through these checks and balances to determine if the person is really in it for the right reasons. So again, going back to purpose, Right, because as you know, the financial services is an industry where someone can do very well. They can build up a large practice, very similar to how a dentist or a family doctor can build up a practice. You could do that within financial services, an investment and insurance practice uh, that's focused on families and business owners. So, to be able to find the right person that has that kind of combination of multiple skill sets and entrepreneurialism, and adherence to compliance or protocol, there are multiple things that we're, we're looking for. So, we do these checks and balances to make sure the person fits. What we're looking for, because like I said, the investment is significant as it relates to training and development. For out of those 200 names we might talk to, the one that gets appointed, we can comfortably invest those dollars because we know they've gone through that process. Yeah,
1: and then yeah, in the training process, there's a lot of hands-on, as you said. There's a kind of a field training element to it to help make sure somebody you know starts out correctly and learns the skill set, gets to observe people who are highly successful at what they're doing. And so that's part of why the recruiting process has that sort of meticulous element to it.
0: Yes. And the support in the field when actually doing the meetings, it comes from that direct mentor, our business development partner, but also from other specialists in different areas, because there are other areas within the kind of work that we do as it relates to particular areas like estate planning, or if a particular client is a small business that's now growing and want group benefits or a group retirement plan, that could be just a group uh, you know, IRA or group RSP here in Canada, we call it which is matching with their employer and auto-deducted, or perhaps it's, it's a medium-sized business. that's now looking to set up a pension plan. And right. Sun Life has number one market share in group benefits and group retirement plans in Canada. So it's a well-known brand. As a matter of fact, after the Royal Bank of Canada, it's the second most recognized financial brand in Canada. So that's another reason why we, we need to make sure we select their appropriate person because they become the face of Sun Life. They carry a Sun Life business card and they become the face of Sun Life to, to the marketplace. So we need to also make sure that person fits the, the, the parameters and protocol that's, that we adhere to.
1: Yeah. And and as an advisor who's selling services of this sort, it seems to me that it's like the diametric opposite of a one-size-fits-all type of sales approach. Like every customer literally has a different circumstance than every other customer. I mean, if a representative in your company has 100 clients, there's 100 different tailored programs to cater to each of those clients. It's, and so the, 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 the advisor really has to be able to develop a, a way of listening and understanding and then advising people really specifically on what their needs are.
0: That's correct, sir. And, and a lot of the financial planning is life stage based. We know that through certain life stages, most clients are typically at a certain stage and we know that what their priorities are likely to be. And we talk to those priorities as part of the planning. But to go to your point, it's very needs-based, Dan. It's it's not just a product piece, right? It's very needs-based. It's holistic in nature. It's through that conversation of being a good listener that we develop the financial plan that helps them. And sometimes it can be very basic, like just helping them budget out of the beginning because they've never done a budget. They don't know how to get a hold of their finances, such as, you know, the, some of the concepts that we hear from uh, excellent books that are out there, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, or there's a variety of ones. But some of the concepts like pay yourself first, right? Mm-hmm. Take a certain percentage, putting that, and then living in the remainder. So there's that that comes and That's a lot of times education that we're giving to our uh, client base so that they understand to get a hold of their finances. Because uh, uh, personal finance is not generally something that they learn in school, right? They they learn from their environments, either their family or their close uh, environment, That's generally where their influence as it relates to personal finance. And that's where the relationship with an advisor is critical because, you know, when somebody has a little bit of money, they want to play around the market and such. That's one thing. But when they start to get serious about retirement planning and they have a family and they've made some major purchases like a home and then they got to take a look at things from a different perspective. It's just not worth it to gamble when the cost is 1% or less. it's, It's just not worth it to do it all by yourself when you can have professionals that can support you, particularly as you build wealth. There are tax uh, optimization strategies that a full service financial planning firm like ours can put them and their family in a better position uh, without any uh, issues down the road right
1: I love that you know what you're doing is it's selling but it's it, there's a consultative feel to what you're doing and Absolutely. it's not like the oftentimes the stereotypes in selling is a, that it's a combative you know one wins and the other loses type of Approach, which is completely anti to what we try to teach and promote here at Cutco. And it's obviously the opposite of what you're doing there as well. And I just feel like if you're a Cutco sales rep listening and you can begin to develop more of a consultative feel when you're working with a customer and realize that your job is to help the customer to get something that they want, to find out what their needs are, to advise them and then help them make a good decision. That's really what selling is in the big picture, right? It's, just, it's not attempting to get somebody to purchase something they don't want or don't need. Absolutely. It's getting to know them, finding out what their needs are, providing your expertise that you have over many years of training or in Cutco or whatever, not as many years, but weeks or whatever of training. You're there to provide that expertise to the customer and then help them make a positive decision. I just like that whole feel of how you are, you're creating your, Sales approaches.
0: For sure. And, and the other piece around culture, just to kind of round that out, you know, a, a lot of quotes that I stand out to me are quotes that I first heard of at Cutco. And uh, there's uh, aspects like, uh, you know, attitudes is 100% of everything. There's 10% of life's what happens to you. 90% of life is how you react to what just happened. And, uh, you know, the, these quotes kind of stand out in my mind. One of the ones that's kind of the most applicable is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And again, that's another one that I learned at Cutco and uh, that I talk about my years at Sun Life because it directly applies to working with people. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you bring a holistic approach to developing your your team and that you don't just teach Sun Life principles, but you teach life principles as well and working with people?
0: For sure. I, in my team, I subscribe to an American organization called the Kinder Brothers and they send out a, re- a regular Monday message and the Monday message is always like a story or a theme or something that's that happened either in history or that happened in the industry or uh, and it always has a message that goes out. And I subscribe to that and I build my message on top for the week that I share. Either sometimes it's a reminder or something or it's a concept or something that's happened or something we're celebrating or recognition. And we always send that out every week. And, and I developed that piece uh, in partnership with the, the piece from the, the Kinder Brothers Because it always serves as a regular reminder to people of some of our values and the the, the culture that we have and what we look for as it relates to our day-to-day conduct and the important things to remember of the influence and the purpose that we have and putting people in a better position.
1: Yeah, I love that. Good stuff. What do you feel like are the personal strengths that you've brought to the table to have such great success?
0: You know, personal strength, you know, Joe and Angie always told me over the years, they've always found me to be someone that's very confident. They've said it many times and always stand out. That always stands out to me as something that I focus on retaining is that confidence um, to be able to show the way, so to speak, or uh, be able to instill a path forward for uh, within logical means that for us to be able to work towards or uh, aim for. And that's, I think, helped me as a, as a leader at Sun Life. And I can attribute some of that from my years of practice at Cutco and doing you know, countless recruiting interviews and trainings and, and helping people to kind of uh, see that path and pursuing this strategy or uh, this tactic and then realizing the success they have from following through on it. Yeah.
1: It sounds like you're describing confidence as a, a, a form of vision of being able to see where it is that you want to be or helping others be able to see where it is they want to be. And then also being able to help them connect the dots from here to there. And I think that in Cutco, our reps get a chance to practice that so often through setting and achieving small goals, right? You get from zero in sales to, you know, field sales manager. By setting and achieving lots of small goals along the way, weekly goals push period goals, sometimes it's daily goals right, and you learn that process of getting from point A to point z or Z as you would say in Canada yes. um, by taking little steps along the way and we we learn how to establish a vision and how to promote a vision and how to help others see a vision and and that's uh that's all part of the process to help build a team and build a team that's successful absolutely yeah. And then you went back to school, I understand, uh, at age 40 for your MBA. Why'd you do that?
0: Well, you know, again, that Joe Cardello, who um, is is one of my mentors, I can say, him and Angie have had a significant influence in my life. And it's interesting because I always remember Joe had gone to Ivy Business School to do an executive MBA when I was a DM. and He was a national sales manager for Team Canada when he did it. And I always stood up to me that that he went back to school to do it. And it's so interesting to me. And as I was looking and talking to my own family, and some of it is a combination of family suggestions to be able to look at challenging myself in my mid-career, to look at positioning myself to be better and and win in my current role and perhaps any future roles with new tactics, more additional perspective, and a larger network of other professionals that are leaders Uh, in Ivy's business school is known as one of those in Canada. It's depending on which ranking you look at, people say it's number one uh, business school in Canada. It's uh, comparable to Harvard after Harvard. It's actually the second most published in terms of case it's on the, they teach on the case method. It's the second most published uh, case uh, provider in the world of universities after Harvard. So uh, it's very much on that case method. And the case method allows you to work in a group of six, and be able to debate and work through challenges as it relates to the business situation. So that gives you a lot of perspective. And uh, I was looking for that perspective and looking to grow. And the CEO of, of Sun Life, uh, who's now retiring, but he uh, sits on the board of Ivy Business School and is also a business an, an Ivy alumni like Joe. And uh, the inspiration of of what they've done with their careers and the, their growth that they've gone through has kind of inspired me to challenge myself to grow in the, to fit that. Thirst for growth, as well and desire, as well as a personal motivation from my family to also uh, pursue graduate studies. Uh, since uh, my sister, my mother, and my father both have graduates, and including my father has a PhD. So to fit kind of the mold of my family as well, to, to I was the last one to have a graduate degree. That was another motivating piece. That was a factor of uh, going back to school. So you know, like I said, I consider it mid-career. I think I got another twenty-five. I hope I have another twenty-five years at least. I can't even imagine retiring. I, I hope to work at least till I'm seventy, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things uh, pan out.
1: Yeah. Well, it's cool that you like what you do and you want to keep that going for the long term. And and kudos to you for taking on such a great growth opportunity there with Ivy Business School. That uh, that's pretty cool. And you know, you, you talked about wanting to to keep working for many years, and the, the theme of our podcast. Leo is changing lives, and you know, as you look into these next twenty years of your future, you know how do you aspire to change people 's lives through what you do?
0: My number one way would be to help people be in a better position for themselves to realize their potential. I think that 's where you know, I, I read again Joe Cardillo introduced me to the concept of servant leadership and there's uh, if anybody wants to read there's uh, the author that coined it is uh, Robert Greenleaf, and there 's a book out on servant leadership and And that's always been kind of the the, the style of leadership I I subscribe to. Obviously, I, I want to lead by example, but the servant leader and focus of helping others and helping others to realize it's so sometimes challenging and tough to not just want to look out for yourself, but in helping others to realize their potential and pursuit of the environment that I'm in that. The, the more I help others to succeed and achieve their goals in their, in the way that they help their clientele, the better I do as well. So it's all mutually aligned and the, and the capitalism in a way is aligned that way in which as you, you can help people to do well. You in turn will do well. So that's kind of like the, the number one ways to help others realize their goals and help others realize their potential to do that. You need to be able to be a good listener, going back to listening, right? To really truly understand the people that are that. Uh, you're in front of or that you're talking to. Yeah, you're working with.
1: Well, it seems like uh, you have refined your leadership skills over your many years of your career, both uh, while in Cutco and after. In Cutco, I'm sure you your listening skills are on point, and then the way that you work with your team seems to me to be, uh, you know, a, a really of a, of a style that works and has helped you to have such great success. I just love what you talked about, you know, the servant leadership element and helping people realize their potential. You're doing good work for your employees and people under you at Sun Life. And in in turn, they are all doing good work for all the customers and clients that they serve and helping everybody else to be able to uh, have the most positive situation for their financial lives. And so just seems like a real positive cycle that you have happening there in your business and in your life.
0: Thank you, Dan. I appreciate that. I uh, love the opportunity uh, to be here and to share with everybody the influence that the experience I had with uh, with Cutco has had in my life. And thank you will never be enough. I and mean, it's amazing just answering that little ad. And uh, thank you to Vani for uh, giving me your business card. So I would uh, call things back up uh, when I got back from my exchange trip because it was quite a ride and it's helped me a, a lot in my life.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being part of the podcast.
0: All right. Take care, Dan. Thank you.
1: Leo Rommel, everyone. I enjoyed spending that time with Leo today. I loved hearing some of the lessons he learned from his Vector experience that tie into other facets of his role today and of life discipline, which comes from purpose and really understanding why you're doing what you're doing and how does today tie in to the greater picture of your career or of your life. I love in that section that Leo said that he wanted to be like Angie. And I think those of you who are a part of Cutco and Vector, you really have a chance to be exposed to leaders who are living lives that you would want to live, the kinds of people with integrity and values and success, the full package or combination of what is there in Vector that young people can aspire to. He also talked about developing his listening skills as a Cutco sales rep. And we talked about sort of the active component of listening and how this ties into the concept of consultative selling. Right. The more that you can feel like in a sales setting that you are there to help the customer, the better. Right. You're not selling is not trying to get someone to get something they don't want. That is not what it is at all. Selling is getting to know someone, building a connection asking questions, learning about them, finding out what they need, making your prescriptions as the expert in your field and being able to advise someone what you think they should do, and then helping them to feel comfortable saying yes and proceeding. And that process is a process that Leo learned in Vector, that Leo carries over to what he does now in the financial services and insurance industry. I enjoyed where Leo shared about building confidence through having vision, right? There's a Stephen Covey quote that says, all things are created twice. The physical creation follows the mental creation. And when you can have the vision to see a mental creation of your goals, the path from where you are now to where you want to be, that vision provides confidence. Because you can see the next step and then the next after that and the next after that. And large goals, when broken down step by step, feel easier to accomplish. Confidence grows. Of course, Leo also talked about the importance of servant leadership and having aspirations in your own life and working with others, working with your team, working with your customers, where it's all mutually aligned, were the words that he used. And I thought that was compelling. Offline after we were done, by the way, I asked Leo a little bit about his father being an epidemiologist and some of his insights into the COVID-19 pandemic and the situation that we are still facing today. Leo shared with me that his father has a concern about some of the new variants that are gonna find their way into our society and just advised not to be complacent not to be complacent. I think all of us are feeling like we're on the the downhill slope of the pandemic and that uh, there can begin to be a feeling of complacency if people feel like they're really far down that slope. I, for one, have been somebody who was initially quite skeptical about this whole situation and kind of learned and evolved over time and been mostly precautionary and being responsible, as responsible as can be over the last one year or at least the last 10 or 11 months of that year. But avoiding complacency was the insight that Leo shared through his dad that I thought I would pass along to the audience here today as well. All right. I hope you liked Leo Ramel. Thanks for supporting the podcast, everyone. See you next time. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.